بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد باب لعن الله the chapter that we will be studying today is from Al-Adab Al-Mufrad of Imam Bukhari rahimahullah that Allah curses the person who curses at his own parents. The hadith narrated on the authority of Abu Tufayl who says, Su'ila Aliyun radiyallahu anhu, Hal khassakumu al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bi shay'in lam yakhussa bihi al-Nasa kaffa? Did Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teach you something, give you something that was specific to you, that he did not teach anyone else? Now this could refer to just Ali radiallahu anhu himself but most probably because the plural is used, plural, plural form is used Hal khassakum, which means you Ahl al-Bayt, the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Did Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam give you some instructions, special private teachings that he did not teach others? Ali radiallahu anhu said, مَا خَصَّنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِشَيْنٍ لَمْ يَخُصَّ بِهِ النَّاسِ No. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not grant us anything, did not teach us anything in private, secretly, that he did not teach other people. إِلَّا مَا فِي قِرَابِ سَيْفِي Ali radiallahu anhu says, except if you want to see something maybe you consider it special it will be what what I have in my sword scabbard which means I have a small piece of paper that I have written from the time when Prophet ﷺ someday gave me, gave me some advices and I have it saved with me in the shield that I have of my sword Then Ali radiallahu anhu took that out. فَإِذَا فِيهَا مَكْتُوبٌ What was that very private, very secret, very special instruction that people are pointing to? Ali it said in that paper, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ مَنْ ذَبَحَ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهُ Allah curses anyone who sacrifices an animal to something other than Allah. That's number one. Number two, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ مَنْ سَرَقَ مَنَارَ الْأَرْضِ Allah curses anyone who steals the signs on the ground or a person 
who would steal the milestones on the streets. Number three, Allah curses the person who gives shelter to muhdith and we will talk about what muhdith is referring to here. So there are three things that were written over there. First thing, someone asked Ali radiallahu anhu, what are those special instructions that you received from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? And the reason of this question was, Abdullah ibn Sabah, a person who immigrated from Yemen, and then originally his original background was, he was a Jew who accepted Islam, and then for some reason a thought came to his mind that Ali radiallahu anhu should have been the Khalifa, not Abu Bakr and not Umar, neither Uthman radiallahu anhu. This person comes at the time of Uthman radiallahu Up to this point, no one has any objection. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is being the first Khalifa, Umar radiallahu anhu being the second Khalifa, Uthman radiallahu anhu is the third Khalifa. And things are going smooth. He comes out and after accepting Islam, he stats his own whisper to people, forming his own group, that no, that's wrong. Khalifa should have been from the family of the Prophet And then he stated, because now is the time of Uthman when he started his fitna. So he stated, finding faults in Uthman anhu, or spreading rumors against Uthman anhu, and presenting proofs to prove that Ali radiallahu should have been the Khalifa, not anyone else. Finally, he got to the stage where he started claiming that Ali radiallahu anhu was taught some special knowledge by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that other sahaba did not have that knowledge. And he invented a concept which until now it's known the concept of imama. What is that concept of imama? He brought up a new concept that says that whoever is imam, which means not imam leading the salah, khalifa, as a leader of the Muslim ummah, that person gets a special knowledge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that person knows everything that is written in Allah al-Mahfuz. He is on a higher level than the angels. And many more amazing these type of beliefs that he introduced. And he started attributing these teachings to Ali radiallahu anhu. Initially when he introduced these type of things in Iraq, no one listened to him. Then he went to Syria, people rejected him. Finally he found a group of followers in Egypt. From there he started forming his group and after some time, since he had some followers now, so they started organizing efforts 
to spread rumors against Uthman radiallahu anhu. They even made a seal like the seal of Uthman radiallahu anhu and started writing letters to the different governors with that seal. And in those days, you know, these are early days of Islam. Cheating, lying, deception, these type of things were not too common in that society. People are not used to having these type of things going on within that society at least. Iman, the level of Iman, the level of Taqwa is very high. So all of a sudden, this person comes and he uses these tricks to uh, spread rumors against Uthman anhu, and they started writing letters to the governors on behalf of Uthman anhu of killing certain people, murdering people, these type of things. And then they went to the second level and that is they would write letters to the governors or to some people in that town and then they will go and inform the other person that the letter is written against him telling him that listen I know about a letter that was written by Usman and it will be arriving very soon to this person in which he is asking that person to kill him so this person now it's out on the watch and he's keeping his eyes open and as soon as things start moving in a different direction, he says, Oh yeah, what that person was telling me was true. I never thought Osman would do something like this about me. How could he do this to me? And this person will join this group with all of his followers. And this is how they started getting larger followers because they would go to the big leaders, the big shots in every community in all of those countries that are away from Mecca and Medina which means Egypt, Syria, Iraq, and then they opened, of course, during the time of Uthman the Roman and Persian Empire, large areas of that was conquered. So they would go over there, and they will tell those people, listen, this is a letter that came from Uthman Now they are having their own letters, that, you know, he gave me this letter, telling me to do this here. That would involve something against these wealthy people, or the leaders, or the uh, governors, so all of those people now started having bad opinion against Uthman radiallahu anhu. In this way, they, for, they, they, they compiled a good force against Uthman radiallahu anhu and then they attacked Uthman radiallahu anhu in Medina Munawwara. It's a long history. But I just wanted to give a background of this hadith here. So one of the things Abdullah ibn Saba introduced to people was that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi has taught Ali radiallahu specifically and then the rest of Ahlul Bayt through Ali radiallahu anhu certain knowledge and certain information that he has passed it on to them that other people don't have it. So people asked Ali radiallahu anhu and the same hadith is in Sunan in, in, in Sahih Muslim also in which a man asked Uthman, uh, Ali radiallahu anhu that I heard Prophet have taught you things secretly that other people have no knowledge about. And you know a person like us would feel so special that now people think that I'm very special. I have that special knowledge. And let's just say yes. Yeah, yeah. There were some days that it was only between me and him. You know, I was sitting at his home and he came to my home and we talked. So I can say, I can pretend that those were the special things and say yes to it. 
but of course Sahaba Ridwanullahi Alimajmaheen they didn't need any unneeded or any false uh, virtues for themselves to be on that level Allah already blessed them with those high levels so Ali radiallahu according to the hadith of Sahih Muslim, Ali radiallahu got very, very upset when he heard that question. And because he knew the background of it, he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never taught us anything in private that he would not, not teach the public. And then even in that hadith, he then he mentioned these things. He said, these are the only things that I could remember that it was me and him we are sitting and he taught me these things. When we look at these things, none of these things are something that we can say are private to Ali radiallahu anhu. That he is the only person who is not allowed to slaughter animal for anything other than Allah. This is for everyone. All things, I mean the teachings that we find in this hadith, they are for all Muslims and there are other narrations that will, that tell us that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa taught the same thing to other sahabat ridwanullahi alayhi also. The reason Ali radiallahu mentioned these things to tell people that if there is anything I remember studying from him or learning from him or remembering in our private conversation would be these things. Would you consider these things to be private? Would you consider these things to be specifically to Ahlul Bayt? And if not, then we as Ahlul Bayt or me as a person who, who is related to Ali or to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the uh, son-in-law of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I have nothing special. And then he said, even those things, I have written them down. I have written them down and I keep them with me. It gives me, just reminds me of those special uh, advices that I received from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the first thing was, and this also tells us that Sahaba Ridwanullahi alayhi majma'een did write some hadith during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then there is, this is another long topic where some people, unfortunately, from some hundred years, maybe a few hundred years back, they started making this claim that a hadith were written at least three, four hundred years after the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Therefore, we cannot rely on those hadith. It's another very lengthy topic. But, unfortunately, there are people that are being deceived by this type of information that, or rumors we can say that are being spread about hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that they were not written during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa The fact is, a hadith were written during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in addition to being memorized. And then, we have only two choices about when people refuse those hadith. Either they are saying that we need it, but they are not reliable. That simply means Islam is not preserved. Then, if they claim that Quran, we will only follow Quran, then you cannot rely on that because you are saying that we need the hadith, but they are not reliable. Or they would say, no, we really don't need them. Quran is enough. And we don't need the hadith, whether they are reliable or not. We don't even care about that part of it. We will just take the Quran. Then the question comes that, okay, how do you know that Qur'an is reliable? Who told you about each and every eye of Qur'an that this is Qur'an? It's a simple question that, you know, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, you would read this ayah to me and I will ask you, 
How do you know that this is Quran? And you may tell me, oh, because it's written in that book. Who wrote it in that book? The publisher? Who wrote it in that book? Who told this publisher that this is Quran? Isn't it that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the one who told the Sahaba this is Quran? When he said, just take this statement, this is Quran, what would you call this statement? Hadith. So now we are taking the Hadith in order to believe in Quran. That tells us that without Hadith we cannot even believe in Quran. So a person who rejects the Quran, who rejects the Hadith, has to reject the Quran also. There is no other way to it. Because Quran tells us, Allah wa Rasul, obey Allah, obey the Messenger. Now, a person who believes in this ayah, how is he going to obey the Messenger if ahadith are not reliable? And if they are reliable, then why we don't have to follow it if Quran is telling us follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? How would I follow him? It's only through the ahadith. Quran tells me, Aqeemu salah establish the salah. How would I establish the salah if I'm not taking the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa about salah? Quran says perform hajj. How would I perform hajj if I'm not taking the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa about how to perform the hajj? Quran doesn't teach us how to perform hajj. Quran doesn't teach us how to perform the salah. Quran even tell us, doesn't tell us the name of all the prayers. How would we do all of these things if we don't have the hadith? So, a hadith were written, and this is Ali radiallahu anhu has also a hadith written with him. And there are a lot of other evidences that show us that a hadith were written during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ali radiallahu anhu says, I have them written with me. And when he read those hadith, those instructions, those special teachings that people were pointing to, because Abdullah ibn Saba was telling people also that see he has them written with him. He doesn't show it to anyone. I pulled it out right away. He said, here, I have it. That's true. What you heard about it is true. I have them. But this is what I have in, written in this, uh, in this paper. Number one, Allah curses the person who would slaughter an animal for anyone other than Allah. This is the first structure which shows us that when a person slaughtering animal or slaughtering any, 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 any animal, anything for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's a form of shirk. That's a form of kufr. Rejecting Allah or associating partner to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes people slaughter an animal for the sake of pleasing someone. Remember, we have a concept that we say, aqiqa. Or you have, for example, you're doing a walima, you're doing, having some special event, you sacrifice an animal for that event. It is not being sacrificed for a person. It is sacrificed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we sacrifice it with the intention of a person, then that is shirk. When a person, either he would mention the name of anyone besides Allah. He mentions the name of anyone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm sacrificing it for this person. That's shirk. And there is lana on that. Number two, he doesn't mention the name with his mouth. 
but the intention is I'm sacrificing it for this purpose. As I said, for the purpose simply means that if the person is sacrificing it for an, uh, uh, any special person that I'm sacrificing it so that this person uh, gets the reward of this. This is something where we have to be very careful about. A lot of time people invite relatives, friends for after the death of a relative and they sacrifice the animal, they make one of the two mistakes there. Either they sacrifice it for that person, which is becomes a major problem, or they sacrifice it with the intention of sending the reward to that person. Now, this is not Shirk al-Kafar. They didn't sacrifice it for the person, but they sacrifice it for sending the reward to the person. Still, it's problematic. Why? Now, this becomes a sadaq. Because you offered it so that that person will get the reward of this meat, of this animal being sacrificed. So, this thing now becomes a sadaqah. You are feeding, feeding it to people who don't deserve sadaqah. They don't know that this is sadaqah, otherwise they won't even eat at your home. But you sacrificed it with the intention of sending the reward to, those, to, the, to the deceased person, and everyone is going to come and eat, the reward will go to that person for these people eating here. This is sadaqah. Sadaqah is only for, for fuqara, for masakeen, for the poor and needy people. It cannot be offered to people who are not in that position. So now, even they are getting sin for eating that food because that was the sadaqah food. It was the right of the poor and needy and these people are eating it. Although they are unaware, so everything is going back to the person who is doing this act. Sacrificing for other than Allah is a type of shirk that Rasulullah said in a hadith that a person went to Jahannam because of a fly. A person went to Jahannam because of a fly. And another man went to Jannah because of a fly. They said, Ya Rasulullah, how did that happen? Because of a fly? He said, yes. A person was passing by a town. The people of that town had an idol that they used to worship. They would not allow anyone pass through that town unless that person would offer a sacrifice for their idol. So this man is passing by the town. They asked him to offer some sacrifice, otherwise he can't pass through the town. In other words, you are under arrest until you sacrifice something for our idol. I don't know if any of you have seen that type of scene, but I have personally experienced something close to this, not exactly. I'm not going to mention known places and names or anything, but we are traveling from one country to another country by car. Almost every 15 to 20 minutes we get pulled over by the people of that village. Now you cannot pass through until you pay donation for this project. And each town had their own project. Unless you pay donation for the project, 
You cannot pass through. Your car cannot pass through there. Park your car on the side. And they will come and approach you. They will say, you know, we are collecting donation. We have this project. We don't force anyone to pay. But if you don't pay, you are not going nowhere. <laughs> so we didn't know what was happening. We said, you know, it's a donation. Okay, you know, we are not in a position of giving donations right now. Okay, stay there. You are not going nowhere. You can go back. You can go forward. That's it. But it is a true experience that I went through. So unless you pay something, some donation to the project, you can pass through. The good thing is, most of them, they had some good projects that they were presenting. Wallahu alam, of course, where the money was going, it was in their pockets. But uh, all, and all of them are youngsters. They're standing there. We are building a masjid. You look at them. Did you, do you even know how to pray? Really? But they're collecting donation for that masjid. So here, Rasulullah says, a person is passing by that town, by that village, and they stop him. You can't pass through unless you offer something as a sacrifice. He said, I can't afford anything. I'm not in a position, I'm a traveler. They said, okay, catch a fly and offer it as a sacrifice. So he caught a fly and he offered it to the idol. When he died, he went to Jahannam because of that fly that he offered for that idol. Another man is passing through. And same thing, he's stopped. You can't pass through until you offer the sacrifice. He said, I can't afford anything. Okay, here, we'll give you a fly. Just offer this fly as a sacrifice. He said, no, I can't offer nothing for your idol. So they killed him. Rasulullah said, went straight to Jannah. So a man went to Jahannam because of a fly, another man went to, Jahannam, uh, went to Jahannam, went to Jahannam because of a fly. So this is what Rasulullah is warning us of, that Allah curses the person who sacrifices anything for anyone besides Allah. And unfortunately in some of our countries this is becoming very very common that people sacrifice animals for deceased people at their graves. For because these are awliyaullah, these are great people, so they will sacrifice it on their names, which is what this hadith is referring to. The second thing, Allah curses a person who steals the milestones. Manar al ard could mean one of the two things, and of course. It refers to both of those. It's not that either or. This hadith is referring to both of those. One is, when people have their properties, so they have a fencing. They have landmarks to show that, okay, this is the boundary. You pick up that and put it a foot on the other side. Or just take it away. So people wouldn't know where the boundaries are. So, either you are stealing someone's land through this, this is why the word saqa is used, that you are stealing the land by stealing the milestone. And this is considered to be one of the very major sins that a person would steal a milestone or steal someone's land. Rasulullah said, any person who would take any person's land unjustly 
On the day of Qiyamah, he will have to carry it up to the seven levels. He will have to carry seven levels of the earth on the day of Qiyamah. Of course, we can't even carry one bucket of it. And throughout the day of Qiyamah, be it 50,000 years, 100,000 years, he has to carry that on his shoulder. The second thing that this refers to, Saraqa Manar al-Ard, a person who would steal the street signs by which people would know their ways, where to go, how to go, which means the street signs. There are people who just playing, they would spray it all. Now, this is also the same thing, that as you spray it, people won't be able to see the name of the street. Those who are lost over here, they can't find their way. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa subhanallah, look at the beauty of this deen. You know, this is something that we may say, it has to, even I think uh, a normal person or a people of different, uh, uh, from different departments of the government will say this is not our uh, department. If someone, if there is a street sign that is missing, then you go and talk to that department and you approach this department. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is instructing us even about these things that he didn't divide it into departments. That this, this is the police department, and this is the sheriff department, and this is that department, and this is the city hall's department, and this is the department of the uh, internal ministry, and this is. No, no, no. Rasulullah is making sure that everyone is safe from every angle. That is the main purpose. That People are at peace, at ease. They don't hurt each other in any way. They don't do anything. I mean, for a lot of youngsters, this is just a game. You know, you just hit the street sign and uh, let it break. Break it. You are just playing. According to you, you just played a game. Rasulullah says, you did one of the very major things here. There is a curse of Allah from, on that. Because how many people would be troubled because of that? God forbid, say there is an emergency on that street. The ambulance is looking for the street, they can't find it. What is going to happen? If someone dies because of that, a lot of things could happen. Someone is in, in hurry and he has to get there very quickly and because there is, that sign is missing, he couldn't get there. The third thing Rasulullah said, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ مَنْ لَعَنَ وَالِدَيْهِ Allah curses the person who curses at his own parents. In another narration, when Rasulullah said this, some of the Sahaba were very shocked. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, Can there be anyone who would curse at his own parents? Think about it. These are the people who came from Jahiliyyah. And when we talk about Jahiliyyah, we say those are ignorant people, people who came from the days of ignorance, they didn't have no knowledge, they didn't know anything, many of them didn't know how to read and write. Those people are surprised to hear that there could be some people who would curse at their own parents. These people would kill others, but they would respect their parents. That thing was still in their tradition. They held it as part of their tradition. When we read the history of the days of Jahiliyyah of Arabia, you will see that it was they were extremely, extremely respectful to their parents. 
And there are amazing incidents from the days of Jahiliyyah about how they used to respect their parents and be, behave with their parents. So, these Sahaba are shocked. Ya Rasulullah, is it possible that someone would curse at his own parents? Rasulullah said, maybe not directly. SubhanAllah, but we see that too. And not few incidents that we would see in our time, SubhanAllah, it's becoming so common. People talking back, cursing at their parents. Rasulullah sallallahu said, what I'm referring to is, يَلْعَنُوا أَبَ الرَّجُلِ فَيَلْعَنُوا أَبَاهُ وَيَلْعَنُوا أُمَّهُ فَيَلْعَنُوا أُمَّهُ That this person curses at other person's parents and that person in return will curse at his parents. He said, even this is something that is being cursed by Allah. That he became the cause for others to curse at his parents. He didn't curse them directly. He cursed at someone else's parents. In return, that person curses at his parents. Rasulullah said, because he became the cause, Allah curses this person too. Now imagine, what type of sin would that be when a person is directly cursing at his own parents? And I said, unfortunately, I have seen it with my own eyes. This is how normally children talk to their parents in some, some families. Normally, this is how they talk to their parents. Maybe I'll just share one quick incident. A person calls me for some counseling, not here, some another town. Calls me for counseling. And he says, you know, could you please, my daughter has some questions, uh, she's, uh, she wants to clarify them. And it's a serious matter, so I would like you to come and talk to her. So I went there. And I went there and the dad is sitting like on a couch right there and the daughter is sitting right on the couch just across from the dad and with her feet up facing the dad. Really, this is how she was sitting. And she started her conversation. You know, my dad is a jerk. He doesn't understand me. Exactly. And he laughs. He says, yeah, yeah, you know, she has, don't, please don't mind it. She calls me jerk and I enjoy hearing that word from her. So I don't know if you are, but it's not allowed for her to say it. Even if you are. But she's not allowed to say it. It's haram for her to say it. It's a major sin after shirk. This is the most severe sin in Islam. But this is how it was. The last thing Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Allahu man, or Ali radiallahu anhu showed that it is written in that paper, Allahu man awa muhditha. Allah curses a person who would give shelter to a muhdith. Now muhdith could mean one of the two things. And in fact, as I said earlier, it refers to both of them here too. One is, muhdith is a person who would create something new in Islam, which we call it bid'ah. So a person who invented a bid'ah and he started new things in Islam and people are still supporting that person on his bid'ah, this is what is being cursed. So not only the person who is doing it, even those who are supporting it. Now, just think about it.
knowingly or unknowingly. How many people in our time are supporting those people by forwarding their clips? That person is studying something new, something introducing something totally new in Islam. And you like the clip, you forwarded it to other people. Now for as far as this clip will keep on going forward, through your chain, you are our muhadithan, you supported that person who brought something new in Islam. We are getting into it annoyingly. That's why we have to be extremely careful. It's not about, I like it. It's not about, it sounds good. Is it reliable really? Is it? And most of the time, you know what are the things that people like? They like something new. Never heard it before. This is what makes that thing very, very acceptable to people that we never heard this before. This is the first time I'm hearing. MashaAllah, he has to be a great scholar. For the last 1400 years, the Ummah didn't find it out. He was the first person who found it out. And then, all of these a lot of time what I hear with that is the new finding is so important that it's the thing that will differentiate between haq and batil. So anyone who does not follow this opinion is on batil, falsehood. That simply means for the last 1400 years the ummah was on batil. The ummah were, all of them are in Jahannam. This is, well, this will be only one person. Maybe he will take two or three people if he likes them to Jannah with him. Otherwise, Jannah will be empty. Everyone else is Jannah. This is our muhlisan, supporting those who are bringing innovations in Islam, who are bringing new things in Islam. So this is one meaning of our muhlisan and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa for sure is referring to this and also another meaning of our muhdisan is a person who has started a fitna within a country which means especially refers to against a khalifa, amir al-mu'mineen, against the muslim government a person has started a fitna so this is this person is muhdith is studying something new in that country and causing people to be divided to fight all of that and people who would stand, who would support that type of thing against uh, against the government, and that will cause a lot of bloodshed in the in the country. This is also our muhdisan. So, and next hadith will have more detail about it. These were the four advisors that Ali radiallahu anhu had them written on that piece of paper, and he said, if there is anything that I could say. Some something special that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught me. These will be the only things. Other than this, there is nothing that you can tell, you can refer to as Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us only, and he didn't teach other people. May Allah subhanahu wa taala protect us from all of these and other acts that will cause the la'na of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Will cause the person to get to be cursed by Allah subhanahu wa taala. May Allah subhanahu wa taala give us tawfiq to always be connected to these beautiful teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and practice 
our deen and live in this world according to these beautiful teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqi Sayyidina wa Habibina wa Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen ameen ya rabbil alameen